Hello everyone, I'm Carla Evans at Boundless Vancouver on Sunday, November 29th. Now, if you're anything like me, you're orderly and appreciate when things follow a sequence. As you know, we've been working through the Gospel of Mark at Boundless Vancouver. We were at chapter 4 last week when Peter walked us through Jesus' parables. And now, all of a sudden, we've jumped to Mark 13. Now, perhaps we're trying to match the tone that Mark set in the first few chapters where things happened so suddenly. Advent came, and immediately Boundless Vancouver jumped to chapter 13. So, if you're like me, this could potentially throw you off. Also, I might point out here that Mark 13 is one of the New Testament's most difficult and debated chapters. So here I am faced with that too. But before we get moving along, I'm going to read the scripture passage today, which is Mark 13, verses 24 to 37. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he suddenly come and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of the Lord. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and you might wonder why we would read this chapter today. I hope that will become clear as I share this reflection for the next few minutes. First, a bit of context from the beginning of chapter 13 might help us. Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem and had been in the temple. After leaving, they sit on the Mount of Olives across from the temple and have this interesting conversation uh, called the Olivet Discourse about the end of the age and the desolating abomination. Basically, the disciples want to know from Jesus when the end of the age will happen. In that conversation, Jesus says a lot of things. Mark wrote this gospel with a strong theme of suffering, which was appropriate for Mark's original audience, as they may have been people who suffered in the persecutions of Nero at Rome or were experiencing the horrors of the Jewish War of uh, AD 66 to 70, which led to the destruction of the temple. Throughout history, many Christians have chosen to use Mark 13 as a basis for debating and predicting the end times. However, this is not a description of the fall of Jerusalem 
or any other historical disaster. But Edwards points out in his commentary, The Gospel According to Mark, that what is described here is a meta-historical event that includes history, but subsumes and supersedes history. Very simply put, Jesus was painting for his disciples a broad picture of the reality of the world and his kingdom, and what will come to pass. Edwards also points out that the point of Mark 13 is not so much to inform, like to provide dates and times, like so many would hope for, but more to admonish or to advise his, uh, Jesus' disciples. The point of Mark 13 is not to provide knowledge of arcane matters, but to instill obedience in believers. Now, why would we want to know? Why have so many humans spent so much time and energy on predicting the end of the world? I thought of a personal example to share about known and unknown timelines. As you know, or maybe you don't, (laughs) I have three children. I had the experience of both knowing, not knowing when my baby would arrive or be born, as well as knowing the precise day and time to expect the birth. For my firstborn, Jed, I closely watched and waited. It required much patience. I knew the anticipated or expected due date, but had no idea really when he would start making the moves to exit. I had no idea of the day or time. Will it be all of a sudden? Where will I be when it happens? What time will it be? Of course, I prepared in the sense that I ate well, got lots of rest, and had the items I knew I would need once he arrived. But the uncertainty about timing kept me more alert, more watchful, more awake, and wondering quite often if this tightening of my belly was an actual sign of real labor beginning. Now, I ended up having an emergency C-section for Jed, and he was four days past his due date, Um, But this meant that in time, I had planned C-sections for my two daughters, JL and Zoe. So the planned C-section. The experience was quite different. I was given a date pretty far in advance and even a scheduled time for when to show up at the hospital for my child to be born. I could predict within an hour or so what time my child would be born. This meant we could plan far in advance childcare, for uh, the kids or kids at home. It also meant I didn't really watch quite as closely the physical signs of potential labor coming on. I knew it was highly likely that my baby would arrive on the date the doctor scheduled for me. I knew in advance. I was less watchful and less awake to the signs and less alert. When I consider the two scenarios of waiting, sure, patience was required for both. That's a long nine months. But being awake to the signs and the posture of watching and attentiveness required when not knowing the day or time of the arrival was definitely more important and heightened. I hope this makes sense. And I wonder today, what does this reveal about the posture and attentiveness required of Jesus' disciples in not knowing the day or time of his return? We read in the scripture that Jesus admonished followers, recording in verse, recorded in verse 37. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, stay awake. 
to everyone shows a wider audience than the twelve. This is the word of Jesus to the twelve disciples. This is the word of Mark to his original readers. And this is the word of the Spirit to believers in every age. The end is unknown and will come suddenly, so we're required to live in constant readiness. Stay awake or watch. Be alert is the final and most important word in this conversation. The reality for Christians of today and many ages is that we may not recognize that we're in an in-between time, or we forget that we are actually waiting for something promised. Jesus declares here that he is coming again, and because of that, we can live by hope. The church is caught up in the movement from the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit came to the return of Christ and the fulfillment of his promises. This is a time of waiting, an in-between time. One reality is that in this time of waiting, many temptations come. And Edwards points out some of these temptations to us. Temptations come in many forms. False prophets raise false hopes. Mistaken signs raise fear and anxiety. The delay of Jesus' return induces complacency and neglect. Lack of knowledge induces resignation and defeat. These and other factors tempt disciples to forsake their vocation. Christian vocation is grounded in a fact twice repeated. You do not know when that time will come. But the same vocation is grounded in an imperative. Be on guard. Be alert. N.T. Wright adds also that this time there are to be no signs, despite the regular attempts to speculate on such things. No advance warnings, just the ongoing command to God's people in Christ to be faithful to him, not to compromise with the standards and fashions of the present age, but to keep awake. So today, Advent begins, and Advent means coming or arrival. Is anyone counting down the days to Christmas? It's fun. We use chocolate or other fun calendars to show how close we're getting to celebrating Jesus' birth. This can, if we're not aware of the greater picture, make us believe or make us act as though we believe that Jesus' first coming as a baby is the full picture of hope in this dark age. But today, Mark 13 reminds us that Advent is more than just remembering or celebrating Christ's first arrival. Advent also hopes for Christ's second arrival. In December, we can confuse readiness for the hustle of shopping, wrapping gifts, parties, and preparations. Although, if you're an introvert, maybe you're rejoicing because we have the burden of parties lifted from us this year during COVID. But Advent is a season for people with restless hearts and for those people weary of a broken world who want to know that there is more than this. Maybe more than any year you've ever experienced, 2020 is a year when you need to be awake and waiting and filled or be open to be filled with new hope because Jesus will return again. Maybe this Advent season could be one like no other before. 
In his book recently released, uh, Honest Advent by Scott Erickson, he says, Now feels complicated and hard and sad at times with a lot of loss, right? It hasn't been that long since we all lost a normal way of life. Some of us are still recovering what we lost. And this is so true for many people in 2020. Maybe you're not falling in the trap of listening to false prophets about days and times and predictions of Jesus' return. But maybe you've given in to complacency. Maybe you've given in to neglect or resignation. Or maybe you've given in to defeat this year. In his book, Four Gospels, One Jesus, Burridge says, if you've been tempted to lose heart, be assured that on the cosmic level, there is another story still being played out where Jesus is king. And N.T. Wright encourages us in Mark for Everyone by saying, Jesus told us we would need patience to hold on and see this thing through. We should not be surprised if we are called through whatever circumstances to practice that virtue meaning patience, however unfashionable it may be in our hurried and anxious world. Jesus' disciples are called to live full of hope, to live patiently and expectantly in the light of the dawn of Christ's future. We are also given a mission to open this hope and future to the world that is still in darkness or is asleep in the dark. Perhaps this Advent, you can be filled afresh with great hope, because not only can we celebrate the fact that Jesus came as a Savior for the whole world, but as he said, he is coming again. I want to close with this one word that really encouraged me, because it's a word that inspired hope in me. In Richard Burge's book, Four Gospels, One Jesus, he writes about how in Mark's gospel, Jesus is introduced in such a way without preliminaries, but all of a sudden, fully grown, ready to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And then he writes this. One is reminded of Aslan, the great lion in the Chronicles of Narnia of C.S. Lewis, who suddenly appears from over the sea without warning but exactly when he is needed. I want to share that again. One is reminded of Aslan, the great lion in the Chronicles of Narnia of C.S. Lewis, who suddenly appears from over the sea without warning, but exactly when he is needed. I wonder if we can hold on to this word about Jesus as we begin this Advent. Jesus said he will come again. While we cannot know the day or the hour, we can practice surrender and trust and be open to be filled with his hope that he will suddenly appear from over the sea without warning, but exactly when he is needed. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we have your word. And in this Advent season, More than just waiting and anticipating your first coming, we want to be people who wait for and anticipate and are ready for your second coming. And we want to be people who surrender and trust 
that you will come exactly when you are needed. We pray this in your name. Amen.